Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi, and tonight we have a special bonus episode. The first time Frank has ever requested a specific bonus episode. And Frank, you want to talk about a very specific movie, right? Yeah. So I'd like to talk about the movie Fat Man. Um, just came out recently, uh, November thirteenth release date, uh, starring Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, and Marianne Jean Baptiste. Um, it's basically a story of Santa Claus in the modern day um, with Gibson playing the Santa Claus role. Uh, Jean-Baptiste is uh, Mrs. Claus and Walton Goggins is a assassin who's hired by a shitty little kid that gets coal for Christmas because he's bad um, to assassinate Santa Claus. Um, I wanted to talk about it for a couple reasons. First of all, because I really enjoyed it. Like I thought it was a really good movie. Um, and I really hadn't heard much about it prior to watching it today. Um, and also because it's kind of gotten savaged by the critical press. Um, it currently has a 44% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, but an 85% from the viewing audience. Um, so I think the people that are watching it that aren't critics are actually enjoying the movie. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like maybe some of the reasons why it's not being received very well by the critical press. Um, so without spoiling too much of the story, uh, basically there's um, Walton Goggins plays this kid, this man who as a kid never received, only received one thing he ever asked for from Santa Claus and then never anything that he asked for from Santa Claus again. So he's grown up to be, um, bitter and old and a hater of Santa Claus. And in this world, Santa Claus is a real figure that's recognized. Um, and anything you receive that comes from Santa has a metal stamp on it that says um, something like created by S. Claus at the North Pole or something. So Goggins spends large amounts of money to buy people's childhood gifts from Santa Claus and hoard them for himself. Um I guess to sort of just basically buy like the nostalgia from people and show that he's good enough that he can own all these things. Um, the kid receives coal in his stocking. So he's hired Goggins before um, at one point to help him eliminate a rival in a science competition, basically like a nine-year-old girl um, who they kind of tie up in a homage to the Taken franchise with um, a battery and jumper cables um, to tell her that she needs to admit that she cheated so he can rightfully win first place in this uh, science fair. Um, so Goggins has to go about finding Santa Claus. Um, Gibson plays uh, Claus as like an old, bitter man who realizes that the world has sort of moved on and the kids aren't necessarily scared by the idea of being on the naughty list. So they just act however they want. Um, Mrs. Claus is eternally optimistic. Um, the clauses are subsidized by the United States government because they generate so much um, uh, income during the holiday season because they're the representatives of Christmas, basically. Um, so because he's down on his luck and they are not earning as much as they had been because people don't care so much, Um he takes a contract with the government to make boards for their F-15 fighters. Um, 
and that's where the movie goes. So it's basically most of the half of the movie is Goggins trying to find Claws, and then the other half is sort of Claws kind of like adapting to his role and in the roundabout way, like finding his love for Christmas again. Um, Gibson is fantastic in it. Like it's the perfect combination of gruffness and heart and really like what you would think of, you know, if you remove all the controversy surrounding Mel Gibson that he brings upon himself, you know, like what, you know, is Gibson's ability as an actor. Um, Jean Baptiste, who I really only know from secrets and lies is really good in it as his wife. Uh, Walton Goggins, just Walton Goggins. I mean, he's pretty awesome in almost everything he does. Um, and it's the same thing here, like this combination of like cold-hearted, you know, dead-eyed killer mixed with hurt young kid mixed with, I don't know, just like kind of idiosyncratic guy that really cares for his pet hamster. Um, one of the big criticisms that I see from it, reading some reviews is people try to compare it to Bad Santa in a way, just because it is like an adult take. But it's not like Bad Santa because that's a dark comedy about a man like being kind of at like the depths, like his lower depths, and sort of, you know, being this like vulgar, foul alcoholic who kind of tries to come back from that. And Mel Gibson is actually playing in this movie Santa Claus, Chris Kringle. Um, and it also, it has some dark comedic elements, but it's definitely not a comedy. Like, stuff is not played for laughs. laughs. Like, there's no prat balls. There's no, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a parody in some ways, or it's sat, it's, it's satire, not a parody, but it's not so much like an outright comedy. And I think that people were confused by that. Um, but yeah, just, it's, it's a really, really good effective movie like i really enjoyed it the whole time i was engaged the whole time um i only knew about it because i was watching uh, another podcast the other day and someone brought it up as being one of their favorite movies of the year and i was like well shit like i've seen it's been up on prime for over a month now to rent and i've never even thought about renting it but just you know on a whim because this person said it. i watched it tonight and i was really impressed so I really wanted to talk about it just because I think we're still close enough to Christmas where it might still bear, you know, some relevance to people. And I don't know that enough people are talking about it. Um, so I wonder in reading this, I wonder if this is the same principle that happens. You and I have talked about this with people like Woody Allen, where I still have a lot of trouble ever getting past what I know about Woody Allen when I watch his movies. And I wonder if critics, when they watch movies that Gibson is in, are still remembering every reprehensible thing that Gibson has done and having that taint their view of the movie. So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit in general, just that idea that, like, can you separate the artist from the art? And as a film critic, should you ever even really consider that kind of stuff when you're reviewing a movie that has multiple other parts to it not just that one person i think i think it depends on like what you're trying to go for as a film critic like you know i mean we've talked so much about criticism like on the main podcast before and it's like ebert who whether i agree or disagree with him is one of the 
you know, probably the, one of the film critics I respect the most. And he certainly would take his own subjective ideas and experiences of watching the movie in the theater with him. And he would include crowd reaction. He would include his own, you know, picadillos. He would include his own, like, you know, right. history. Um, my criticism of him sometimes is that he couldn't, he would do those things under the guise of being objective when it obviously wasn't. Um, he would confuse his own subjectivity like with objectivity sometimes, right. um, which I think we're all guilty and capable of. So, I mean, sure. it's not like a, you know, it's not like a slam on the guy. It's just, the, I think it's a, just human nature. But, um, but I think the, I, I've always thought that the way that you do it, like the way that Ebert does it is like best. It's like, you can't ignore your own subjectivity, I think. Um, like, I, I don't think it's possible to be objective about art. Um, I think you can try to be, but I don't think it's possible at all. I mean, this isn't this really just sure. the, the, the pie argument? Um, and I'm referencing something very specific right here um, between like, no, our, our group of friends. But I mean, um, where we've argued forever about whether like something can be objectively the best pie. Um you know, and and it's it's always going to be subjective. So, like, I think including that in your review is fine, but I think you should also take the best stab possible with something like Gibson and his sexism and his, um, you know, like anti-Semitism and like those kind of things, and try to ignore that for the sake of the film. But I understand if somebody cannot. Does that answer the question? So here's the thing. In it, it does, but I would feel better about these reviews if people were mentioning those things about him and using that as they're saying, like, look, like, this is what I know about Mel Gibson. It's hard for me to watch a Mel Gibson movie, you know, because I, I respect that because that's honest. Mm -hmm. But these people are, like, shitting on aspects of this movie that objectively I found to be entertaining and I thought were really well done. Right. And I I feel like the subtext behind their criticism is based on their feelings towards Mel Gibson and they don't have the courage of their convictions to say it. So they're just like I get, like every because multiple critics compare this movie to Bad Santa and say mm -hmm. how Bad Santa is a better movie and it's uh, so annoying because it's like they're such different movies. It's like it would be like saying that you know, we, we were talking about that Your Highness movie the other day, the one by um David David Gordon Green or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, the pot comedy that takes place in like medieval times, like a sword and sorcery world. That would be like saying that, oh well, that movie is not nearly as good as Lord of the Rings, just because ostensibly they both take place in a fantasy environment. You know, just because there's two movies that use like Santa Claus. And not even like a real Santa Claus in Bad Santa because Billy Bob Thornton's not playing like actual right. Santa Claus. He's a freaking yeah. mall Santa. That's an alcoholic that's abusive to the people that are around him. Right. And Mel Gibson is playing yeah, the better, the better comparison is of, whatever the fucking Kurt Russell movie is from a couple of years ago. Right. Like that they just did a exactly. Christmas Chronicles, right? Like, you know, that they just did yeah. a sequel to. Like, that's the better comparison because they're actually playing fucking Santa Claus. 
or or the Santa Claus or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Sure. But right. they don't compare it to them because those aren't dark comedies. And right. what they see is they see this, they see this dark satire, and they can't look past the fact that it's like the worst kind of criticism, especially professional criticism, because it's distilling elements to like their most base ingredients and then saying that like well all things are the same just because you know like you can't compare the movies to each other and i think that i think fat man works it's not a perfect movie like it's like a seven and a half out of ten maybe maybe a seven out of ten like it's it's got some clunkiness to it and it definitely is a little too quick to like explain certain angles with just a couple of lines of dialogue that I think would have been more interesting to explore, but when it, when it hits, it hits really well. Like it works really well and it does a really good job of building your interest in this character, you know, in the, in, in Walton Goggins, who's a professional assassin and just giving you like little bits of his backstory. So you kind of develop your own thoughts on him. But I don't right. know. Like I um, so well, I will say this. Like you know, because I uh, as you've been talking, like um, I've been largely silent because I'm like going through reviews of Fat Man. I'm also looking at like some different like just historical markers here. So he does get a lot of positive reviews for different movies on Rotten Tomatoes since the controversies of the mid 2000s. Um, so Dragged Across Concrete has a 76%. Um, Bloodfather has an 89%. Hacksaw Rigidly Directed has an 84%. Um, Get the Gringo has an 82% from critics. So, I mean, like, there are movies that, like, he gets positive... Re- like, that movies get positive reviews that he's in and even that he's directed. Now, a lot of them are action movies or Hacksaw Ridge, which is also action, but it's, like... The critics aren't going to shit on it because it's a war movie, um, you know, which they which they rarely do. Um, so there there are some caveats in there, but there there are some positive reviews for him. Um, just to kind of throw a, a little bit of a like a, a wrench into to what you're saying here. Um, since then, like he also has a lot of negatives. Don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, I wonder because a lot of that stuff you named, aside from Get the Gringo, mm-hmm. were very limited release movies. Yes. Yeah. Like oh, a lot yeah. of people. So you're also in an environment now, and I wonder if this has any any sway over it. A lot of these people that are reviewing these movies are not doing it in theaters with other people. They're doing it in the same way that we're watching most of our, the, like all of our movies, which is sitting on a couch at home. And I wonder if maybe not having that effect of, like, being around other people as you watch a film, like, somehow taints your experience of it. I don't know. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Um, The other thing I want to say is, like, looking at Fat Man, the production companies behind it are nobody major, right? Like, it's, 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 it's it's pretty indie movie overall. Um, do you remember seeing like who released that whatsoever? Um, Saban Films. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so like that's the biggest production company out of all of them, and like, um, because everything else, I I haven't even heard of that one before. But, um, so one thing I will say is this: is that they're not a production company that can game the system. 
like some movies can. Um, so I'll give you an example. Like, do you, do you know the controversy over like Wonder Woman 1984 right now with Rotten Tomatoes? No, what's that controversy? Okay, so it started out at like an 88% from critics in its first week. And suddenly in its second week, um, dropped down to like a 63 or 62% from critics. Um, and I see, I always like, cause I, what I do when I go through the podcast a lot of times, or I'm looking up movies on the quick cage when we talk about them is like, I skip, I look at the overall number, but then I go to top critics and kind of just do a quick glide through real quick to see whether it's positive or negative. Cause you actually see a, like a big difference sometimes between top critics and the critics in general. Um, and when I did this for Wonder Woman, when it was still like an 88%, like I was seeing probably like a 55, 45 split, um, among top critics. And but what, what they're doing is that production companies that, um, have enough sway, they will release movies to people super early and they'll almost like kind of like handpick it to people they think will be giving them positive reviews so that the first like kind of like week before week after reviews are very positive which is that time frame where people will decide whether they're going to go see it or not or in this case particularly because it's even more sensitive go ahead and spend the $15 like you know on HBO Max um for the month to go ahead and watch it and then suddenly it's like the next wave of people that get the movie suddenly like you know that weren't kind of like in there like rolodexes like I, I'm, I don't want to use the word hacks but it's like people that would be maybe like they know wouldn't be necessarily um right I positive that. you know like um that they can't take that risk on and then suddenly the fucking critic score just drops instantaneously um out of it but it doesn't matter at that point because you made your money right you got the word of mouth like oh it must be good um so the big production companies like you know have been doing that for years um like for for quite a while now like they've like figured out like how to basically game run tomatoes um these newer movies we don't deal with a lot of newer movies so it's no use in talking about a lot of this right. um for us but like that's well, kind of what they do one. and wonder woman is the first one that they've really done it with with that production house um uh overall like that those the, more that dc has done it with um dc didn't dc so fucked up and stupid they haven't learned how to game the system where everybody else has for three years um and this production company isn't somebody who can game the system necessarily um now what that means for this movie is like you know it's like they're so small they might not know how to play the game Saban's not incredibly small. They released a lot of movies. Yeah. Like a lot of movies, yeah. Saban has been a production company since the 80s. Maybe even earlier than that, but I know him from the 80s. They put out a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, they did um a couple of the Quick Cage movies are on there. Not, not to say those are big movies, but I'm just saying. I mean, it's mostly smaller movies. They don't really have a lot of like big budget films, but they put out a lot. I don't think they care about reviews because I think their bread and butter is like the the short release window and and direct to video sales, <clears throat> or right now streaming. I think I don't know. Yeah. 
So they're probably not that concerned with like releasing it to a wide audience. So when this movie was available, it was probably when people were able to, you know, yeah, watch review copies. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just know. Was... I just know that there's a lot anymore. It's like there's this kind of like unofficial kind of payola system that goes along with movie reviews. Like, um, I don't even like that term for it, but it's like th- there there's a way that the game is rigged and. If you don't know how to play that game, like because you know how it is, it's like like once. So here's the thing: is like if you, it once the first reviews come out, all these other people that are reviewing movies that are like not like in already established in big newspapers and stuff like that, they either have to take a calculated risk of going along with everybody else, or have a hot take. So yeah, and most and most people tend to trend towards whatever the status quo is. Um, so like all these movie review websites that are kind of officialized by Rotten Tomatoes but aren't top critics, like they got to make a choice, you know, um, to some degree. And it's like, am I going to like really bag on this movie? Am I going to give it like you know? Because then you're you're also those people specifically not the top critics that's why i always go to the top critics is because those people are compromised also in what they get early access to right so like there's always this like little thing with reviews and stuff like that that like there's this kind of like thing about their own credibility versus their own marketing and all these other kind of things that influence all this so they tend more people tend towards to go towards what the common thought is from the top critics when push comes to shove yeah. So if the early um, reviews I'm saying were bad, a bunch of people suddenly will sit there and say, like, oh yeah, this movie was shit, which is maybe why you're seeing the comparison over and over to Bad Santa's because there's one top critic. If I did more investigating and did looked at the dates, made this comparison and then they just jump on board. I just think that people saw that it was a dark comedy and expected to laugh a whole bunch, and when it was really a satire. I don't think that they know how to take it. I don't know. Mm. And I, I, whatever, I think there's a lot of other underlying factors, but mostly I just wanted people to know that it's, it's there and it's worth watching and, you know, genuinely enjoyable, really good performances in it. Yeah. I mean, as a Walton Goggins admirer, like you are, um, I think you would enjoy his performance in it a lot. So I, I, I watched the trailer for this like four months ago. Um, because I I keep up with the movies subreddit um and watch a lot of the trailers that are on there and stuff like that and I watched the trailer and I was like oh yeah like you know like I mean I'm not going to spend ten to twenty dollars on it but it's like when it comes out like you know for maybe three ninety nine or free at some point like on Prime right. like I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it like yeah you should it's yeah. six ninety nine that's how much I paid yeah. I mean, I'm still like, you know, it's one thing I'm sure someday we'll talk about it, but it's like, I, I understand like Mel Gibson said, has said multiple times horrendous fucking things that are unacceptable. Like, it's just too much. He goes too far. Um, and they're gross things to say. Right. He's one of those guys, though, that like, and it's not an excuse he was having alcoholism issues. He already has anger issues. Um, you know, and again, that doesn't excuse him, but he's somebody because of those things, I can give him 10 years later, a second chance. 
Yeah. And I can watch a movie without thinking about those things necessarily. Um, you can, but I don't know everybody can. I think a no, lot. No, they of can't. Happens. Right? Yeah, it doesn't. I'm well. I'm I mean, very misogyny, misogyny, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, and racism. Racism, kind of hard right? Yeah. yeah, sure. And, and I have that privilege in my life of being able to do that. Um, you know, and 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 looking past some of those things. Um, but I I can also look past words more than I can actions. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest distinction with him is like, I get your shit with Woody Allen. It's like, you're, you're basing your, your discomfort with Woody Allen comes from actions. Right. Not, not words necessarily. So I think like when it comes to words, I can get past some of that easier than I can actions. Um, so it's like, I can watch dragged across concrete. It's just a story, and I love Gibson in it, and I love Vince Vaughn in it, and I love the movie, you know. And I can just look past all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that when I don't, when I finish the movie, I don't remember that Mel Gibson is probably a fucking anti-Semite and racist. But Misogynous. I can, yes, I'm, yes. But it's like I, but I can, I, I don't know. I can compartmentalize enough in my life, just in general that I have an easier time, maybe more than most people for some reason of just being able to kind of like invest in that thing that's in front of me on the screen a bit more right. and that ignore like the real world sense, but I compartmentalize everything in my life. So, I mean, so I, I do, I do a lot too. It's just certain things I can't get past. So right. Sure. And child, yeah. child abuse being like paramount in a lot right. of ways among. Sure. Yeah. All right, I just want to talk about it a little bit. Okay. If you get the chance, you should watch it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I will. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thanks. Have a good night. Yes. Thanks for the bonus update. All right. All bye. Right.